So we're in a class, hand a card out. You don't even have to, have to say anything, right? Faith comes by hearing, I'll talk to them when they get here. And others can, but it's just a very easy way. And these are the two, two times of the year where it's a, the easiest ask of the year that many have no interest in, in church. They come. They come to Easter and they come to Christmas. It's really, it's, it's opportunities for us. Opportunities. So we have the two services. We have kids worship that day for both services. We have a lot that's going on. So take the cards. They're here everywhere. And start getting them out and, and get people here. Next year we'll have to add, three, add, a, add another service. We'll have to go to three. But for this year we can go to two and have some. Last year we had 45, 50 kids or so. Almost 60 I think in the fellowship hall. We'll be able to do it again this year. It'll, it'll open up some seating and we'll be fine. And on the back is the egg hunt. If you're available for that Saturday, we can use more help. There's no question. We can use help that Sunday, too, for some things, ushering and parking and all of that. Um, there's a lot of stuff that's going on. So come and see me or David or any one of those in leadership, Bobby in the back. Um, there's a number of, of people who can be helpful. But take the cards and hand them out. It's a great way to, to, to evangelize. Let's pray. Father, thank you for tonight. Thank you for the word. It is true. Sanctify us by your word. Be with us tonight. Bless all those who are here. Those who couldn't make it tonight, uh, we know that it's difficult midweek. A lot of things get in the way. And uh, that's okay. You have grace for all of it. But right now, Lord, help us to to just be comfortable with talking about you to people and, um, and live out the great commission that you have given to us. And this we ask in Christ's name and all God's people said... Okay, so we're just going to keep moving along. Remember this. This is not the way that people will go through this moving forward. You're not going to have a class and then have a week break and a class and a week break. It's just the way that it's worked out here because of the midweek ministry. So you come out of a class and you have the first five weeks you didn't really have any questions because it was all all, uh, information-based and it was all the research that we did to give us an understanding of how did we get into a culture like this. This is the evangelism program. This is what we're going to do in, in the workshops. But we're going to do it all together in two and a half hours. So if you have a question that came out of last week or the week before, you have one tonight. We only have one more week of this, and then we'll do a recap and put it all together and show you how it rolls, and then we'll just practice on each other a little bit. You, you should have questions, but all of it kind of comes together when you do it in the workshop. Everything flows so we're not going to go back and review. We're just going to keep rolling. You're going to get a copy of everything at the end. And then hopefully many of you will feel like, okay, I've got a pretty good handle on this. Let me get with Tommy and let me get with Dave because I'd like to help teach the workshops. Our goal is to get this thing out and, and go. We're taking it to Honduras. We're going everywhere, wherever God wants it to go. So it's exciting for you to be on the ground floor. You're the first ones to see it. So it's wide open, and you don't have to have a, a degree to do it. You just have to have a heart for God. So where? What's the where of evangelism? And hopefully it's a little easier for you to read this week. I think it might be. Number one, we're just going to go through these categories. There's called church evangelism. Ready for that? Yeah, that makes it easier. Good job, David. Church evangelism typically could mean, but you have to be careful, but it could mean people are pre-qualified for the diagnostic question. 
And what's the diagnostic question? Remember coming out of EE? We saw it last week. Do you know for certain, it's a great question, you have eternal life, or is that something you are still working on? Dave, you have that? Is that something you're still working on? That's the question. Typically, you can, you, can, you can use that for people in the church. They'll have a basic framework. This is the one that Joe will use at the Brother Brigade table. So Joe Miller will be at the table. You've got somebody in the church. Somebody's talking about Jesus, and you feel like, okay, they, they got it. They're saved. And then Joe, do you know for certain that you have eternal life? Or, and then here's the key line. Or is that something you are still working on? I cannot tell you how many people respond that, right, Joe? Yeah, I'm still working on it. Let me tell you why. There's a couple perspectives, just so that we can be clear. It doesn't mean the person really doesn't understand at, at, at one level. Because sometimes it almost, especially if you're young in the faith, regardless of your chronological age, it almost can sound prideful. Well, yes, of course I know I'm saved. I'm God's elect and, and all of that. We, we've got to be careful with the heart. When we're talking about a heart issue, sometimes it's hard for someone to just simply, well, yes, of course. The key is getting them to a place of understanding, okay, why are you saved? Instead of going any further, if you're, you're working, why are you saved? Because I've trusted in Christ alone. Okay, so Ephesians 2, 8, 9, for it is by grace that you've been saved through faith. So it's always grace through faith, right? But it's real faith. You have the faith. Where did the faith come from? God. How did the faith get to you? Through the grace. God gives you grace and gives you faith. I remember Dr. Sproul talking about this in class over and over again. It's God's gift of faith to you. You, you, you don't have faith. But once he gives it to you, then it's your faith. Then you have it. Then you believe. Then you strengthen your belief through the means of grace and God is at work in your heart and all of that. But that's a gift. So church evangelism, you got a pre-qualified audience sometimes, but not always because sometimes people, because especially our goal in this church is to get who? People don't normally go to church. They don't have a faith formation. They have no idea what it's all about. So I'm learning as I go along as a pastor to be careful not to say things like, well, you'll remember back in the Old Testament with Nahum. Who is that? So I'm careful as I'm preaching that I want to be mindful that we've got people who don't know the Bible. They're not in the scriptures. And that's what you want in the house of God, okay? So church evangelism, that's a great question. And you can use that anytime for anybody. Do you know for certain? So if they're talking, if they're giving you God language, do you know for, sure, for certain? Or is that something you're working on? No, I know for sure. Because I've trusted in... We're done. Church evangelism. Moving on to the next one. We have friendship evangelism. Ready? And again, these are just things to think about, and then you work up your own formulas. Ask a friend. How may I serve you? It's a great opening line. How may I serve you? Catches people by surprise sometimes. What? I remember being at a men's breakfast a long, long, long time ago. Pat Morley was given the talk, Man in the Mirror Ministries, and I was there with Clark Cockman. Clark knew him. I didn't. I was a new Christian. It was 1998, maybe 1999. And we went up to the front, and he wanted to introduce me to Pat Morley. Pat knew Clark, and Pat opens with these words. How may I serve you? I've never forgotten that. It just caught my attention and blew me away. I mean, it's a great line. How may I serve you? Then, of course, the next one. How can I pray for you? Their response will do what? 
often open a door for you to share how Jesus can meet them in their place of need. If anybody gives you a prayer request, that's a need, yes? Who meets all needs? And my God will meet all of your needs in the glorious riches. And then all you have to do is just figure out how to weave that in. And it may not be that day. Remember, preaching the gospel may not happen in a single event. It just may not. It may take two events. It may take two weeks. It may take two months. It may take two years. You have to be sensitive to the leading of the Spirit. And walk by faith, not by sight. Remember, we're not checking them off the list. Got them. Got somebody to pray. Got them. Got somebody to pray. No, be careful with that. Okay? Workplace evangelism. Ready for this? The second best day of the week to evangelize at work, and again, depending on where you work, got to be careful, right? Just be careful. But Monday, why is that the second best day of the week? Because you can say, so, what did you do over the weekend? Did you get so crazy you don't remember? Or, no, don't say that. That's a, just kidding. Which can lead you to share not your time in church, but the message you heard from your pastor. Those are great ways. Sometimes the word church. So sometimes instead of saying the sermon, eh, sermons, they don't rock. So I heard my, you got to hear what my pastor had to say. The talk he gave. Using different language that just doesn't cause them to put a, put a wall up. So that's the second best day of the week. What would you do over the weekend? Number one day of the week, Friday, baby. Why? Not sure what you have planned for the weekend. And again, you frame out. But if you want to be encouraged, I'd like you to come and hear my pastor. It, it tracks and it works and people visit. So the goal in workplace evangelism is... Now, what can you add to... Remember, we, we can't be exhaustive or the, the book would be too big. You wouldn't be able to hold it. So what else would be workplace evangelism? You're bringing them to events. Who, who, some of the ladies brought some friends last week to pasta praise and prayer. Right? You have an event that comes up. Wayne puts an event on the board, and we bring guys in that, that don't go to church. That's, that's workplace. You're inviting people from work to come to church. Inviting people to come for the Easter egg hunt. You're inviting people that have small kids to come to the Easter egg hunt. Easter egg hunt, that makes sense. City municipalities put on egg hunts. We're just doing it at the church, and it's not a bait and switch. We really do a hunt for eggs. You get a full basket of eggs, but at the same time, I'm going to tell you about Jesus. So there you go. Okay? So workplace evangelism, that makes sense? Sure it does. Restaurant, here's the one I love. Here's the one I love. I'm out there eating my chips and salsa. And most of the places I go, I go all the time. I go often so they know me, so I've already done all this. But if we're somewhere where we've not been, here's a great line. Ready for this? Ask your server, is there anything I can pray for you in your life right now other than a big tip? Now, let me, let me say something to you. It'll be a very bad witness if you leave a little tip. So don't do that. So especially if you're not the one paying, make sure that you find out what the tip is. If you've got to add a little bit to that, do that. Don't do that. It's not, it's, not a, it's not a good thing. But if you leave a tip that kind of catches their attention, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, where's, where's, where's Yader? Yader's not here. Met him at Chili's. Got saved. This was years ago. So Darth Vader, our own Yader, met him at Chili's. Over a, and he, kept, he kept, kept filling that basket up. Man, I never ran dry. Basket of chips kept coming out. And uh, a couple hours later, came to the church. Not here, the last church. So this is an opportunity. So when you say that, generally they'll laugh. Ha, ha, ha. And you'll say to them, the big tip, 
That's covered. If you can think of anything else, let me know. You cannot imagine the doors that have been opened. And even when the doors closed, I've never had anybody close it with hostility, ever. Remember what I said? Remember what I said last week? Remember, we'll go back to these things in the, in the workshop, but it's hard to do it in the class setting now. Remember what I said? Is there anything I could pray for you for? Occasionally somebody, and they'll do it, and it's happened to me. They'll try to trick you up a little bit. And Okay, so what God do you pray to? And what did I say? Don't say. Don't say the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the one true living God. Don't do that. Well, it's true. Yes, it's true. Yes, but they're not ready for that truth. So what should you say? I pray to the God who absolutely transformed my life. Let me tell you about him. It's just learning how to keep from driving people away. So that's just learning how to connect at a heart level. And the more you do it, the easier it gets. It just gets really easy. Okay? After a friendly laugh, their prayer request, need often opens the door to share how Jesus can meet that and other needs. Now, overcoming objections. I want to just say this to you. Real, real, those of you who went through EE, and I can see some of you and I know who you are. There's a whole chapter in EE, and it's a great chapter. But remember, you've got to go way back in time for this. You're going back into the late 60s, early 70s. This chapter was designed, it's important for you to understand what it was designed to do. Overcoming objections. When you're overcoming an objection, you're not preaching the gospel. You're not sharing Jesus when you're overcoming an objection. So the goal in EE was for you to be able to get off of the objection, overcome it as quickly as possible, so that you could get right back onto the gospel presentation. Because if you're overcoming an objective that somebody says, how can I believe in a good, loving God with all the evil, suffering, and pain in the world? As you're dealing with that, you're no longer evangelizing. So the goal in EE, and that was fine back then, get off the objection, get onto the presentation, get them saved, and then you can go back to it at some point in time. Not anymore. We have a totally different formula. I bring the objections up based on what I hear. So you might be thinking, why? I'm, I'm, I, welcome the obje- I, I welcome that. They're, they're coming anyway. You don't want to hide from that. So I just want to give you a couple things to think about as we work through it. And then you'll, you'll, we'll, when we, in the workshop thing, it, it gets tighter so that you can understand it. We do have to answer some questions. Well, what if I don't have any? This is the number one thing that people are concerned about. I'm, I'm going to get stumped on a question I don't have an answer. I don't have answers to all the questions. You don't need all the answers. You can always get back to what? What's the default? What's the default conversation? Get back to telling them what God has done for you. What did Jesus say to the demoniac that he healed? Go and tell them what the Lord has done for you. You can always get back to that. And people will say what? It resonates. What, what resonates with people today? Stories. Tell them a story. Work with them. Tell them I don't, I don't have the answer to everything. No one does. I'll, 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 I'll go and get it. If we want to set a time we can get together, I'll, I'll try to get the answer. I don't have all the answers. I have a finite mind, and we're dealing with an infinite God, unless you believe we crawled out of a bubbling cesspool of amino acids. You have to figure out where we've come from. If you can get past in the beginning goo, and there's actually a God, then we can actually move forward. If you're in the beginning goo, then that changes everything. We've got a long way to go to get to the next phase. So that, that changes your evangelism, right, if that's their starting point. But don't worry about overcoming objections. It's not a big deal. It's, it's because everyone has objections. 
And that's okay. And all you're doing is just walking through it. So we're going to look at a couple things, and, and it'll, it'll help strengthen you, and you'll have a little bit more confidence, and we'll keep working through. And remember, any time that you want to get together privately, we'll talk about this stuff, because this is what it's all about moving forward. Two basics. Don't miss this. These are two basics. And only in, only in doing this, go ahead, Dave, put them up. Only will you get a feel for it. I don't spend any time with objections that I know aren't real. Those are the smoke screens. They're just trying to present, prevent the presentation. So I don't spend any time with that. We just, sorry, we're just moving on. But you'd be shocked at how many sincere, heartfelt objections there are to a heart that's been crushed under the weight of a sudden loss of life. We just had that in the church here. Family just lost a, a father, a grandfather, father. Suddenly, unexpected. That's a, that's a sincere objection. Why? Why would God do this? So they're searching for truth. So you, you, have, you, have, you have to work through it. Or you're not going to get to the other side. Even if you got them to pray, what good is that? You're not saved by a prayer. Remember, you're never saved by a profession. I profess faith in you. You're not saved by a profession. You're saved by a possession. It's got to be in your heart. It's got to be real. So you have to deal with objections. And you have to be able to not, I don't even, I'm not even thinking about anticipating them. I just get out in front of them. We just walk through some of the. There's only a couple major ones. We have them in the programs. Only a couple. Evil, pain, and suffering. That's a big one. That's a big one. Right? Suffering. Who's, who's not suffering at some level? So how do you deal with that sudden loss? Remember one of the things we've said? Because this is a great way to respond. I don't, I, I don't know. Why would God take my, my, my father, my wife, my husband, my, my child? Why? I, I don't know why. But I know what the reason can't be. It can't be that he doesn't love you and the cross proves that. Then you have an opportunity to enter into the heart, okay? That's all. That's how we have to work through this. So there's two objections. You'll get a sense. You'll feel it. I'm sure you already have. You've talked to people. You know when they're sincere. I'm dealing with bloggers and chat rumors, not as much as I used to, but man, I always just want to challenge your stuff. Who has time for that? Okay? If you're sincere and you have a real, if you have a real heartfelt concern, we'll talk. We'll spend time. But if you're just trying to prove your position and prove your, your, your point and, and, and show me that, that you're right and we're wrong, I'm wrong, no time. When objection leads to rejection, objection leads to rejection. Ready for this? Fear not. This is from Dr. Kennedy. I'll never forget the day he said this to me behind closed doors. You got it, Dave? Fear not. They have rejected the gospel, not you. That's DJK right there. The God of this age has blinded. You need to know this. 2 Corinthians 4.4. 4, they have blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ who is the image of God. Dead men don't what? They don't talk and they don't walk. Although people are walking around, right? It's like that show, right? The walking dead. We're all dead in trespass and sins. So spiritual truth just doesn't come. You're not just going to get that. It comes because God has revealed that. God opens your heart. Now, faith formation comes through a variety of different ways, right? Going to church and, and being exposed to, to, to Christians and, and, and the means of grace, Bible and prayer and all those things. But it, you don't just get to that. So can people be seeking God? Absolutely. Don't listen to people tell you no, people don't seek God. Why? What are, what are people doing often when they're seeking God? They're not, they're not even necessarily seeking. What are they seeking? They're seeking the good things that God can give. But they're still seeking God. So you have an opportunity to, to enter in. But when there's a rejection, just remember, because who wants to be rejected? None of us. 
right? But just know, and this was a great help for me, even though it took me years after that to really have any interest in sharing the gospel because I didn't want to be rejected. But it's a great line. Okay, objection number one, ready for this? I don't believe in the God of the Bible. I, I couldn't find a simpler response. Ready? Go, Dave. What God do you believe in? See, if they, see, see, if they, if, if they bring God up, you're done. You're in. You're in. So what God do you believe? Oh, you can't imagine. Now, where do they go next? Who cares where they go next? Because you're, you've, you're, you're, you've, you've got the conversation. Remember, answering, answering responses and answering questions with questions is the key. That's what Jesus does. So they would phrase, let's phrase it as a question. Why should I believe in the God of the Bible? I'm not going to give you any answers to that. I'll give you a, why shouldn't you? What God should you believe in? You have a framework of God, or you wouldn't have asked. See how it works? Just easy to navigate the water. So number one objection. And then you take and you build on this and you work your own what? You work your own conversation as you're doing it. And you get more comfortable as you go along. But as soon as somebody says God, man, that's it. That's a green light. And then we can just go all sorts of ways through that to get to the one true living God without having the door slammed in your face theoretically, okay? How much further? A couple more, I think, and we're done. This is good. Number, okay, feel, felt, found. Ready for this one? This is just a good way to work through objections. Instead of starting your response with, I don't agree or that's not true. I hear people all the time do that, which invites an argument. I've learned how to diffuse all of that. Use the time-honored reply, feel, felt, found. I understand how you feel because I once felt the same way until I found out Dot, dot, dot. The argument is gone. I know exactly how you feel. I was no different. I was saved at 35. I didn't believe in that. I thought it was nonsense. I know exactly how you feel. I felt the same way. This is crazy. All these Christians telling me that it didn't make any sense. Until I found out that a dead man got up and walked. Whatever that is after the dots. Then there's no argument. I, I never tell them, I don't agree. Who cares if you don't agree? That's not true. Who cares? Connect. Connect. And then keep talking. The goal is to do what? Keep the conversation going. And you hear people all the time, well, that's just not true. Great. You're going to go a long way in that conversation. You're never going to get to the end goal for sure. Some of the, if you, when you have time, there's some great, great, great Christian scholars who are experts at debating and are so kind and compassionate in the way they connect at a heart level. They just, if they're in the middle of an, a debate and they've just been attacked personally because they believe in the one true living God, some, I don't need to mention names. You can just Google and look up great apologists, contemporary. Common response, I, I just don't see it the way you do. Where you can Google some and know, well, that's not true. It's absolutely incorrect. 
But instead, you'll see some of these great apologists. Ravi Zacharias is one of them. I just, I, I don't see it your way. And if you give me an opportunity, I'd like to tell you why. And never go after the person. Changes everything. Okay? Feel felt found? Almost there. The power of prophecy. Here's the key in understanding the scriptures. Now this you probably know, many of you who are, who are real students of the Bible, but this is, this, is, this is the power. We don't have to get into all these arguments about is the Bible reliable, right? How many manuscripts do we have? How many, how, how, and, 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 and all of those things. Because remember, remember the Bible you have in your hands, right? The Bible you have. No original, right? No original text, none. It's all copies. You know that, right? So you know that. They know that. You need to know that. Say, so, well, you realize what you hold in your hand isn't really the, it's not what they wrote. It's not, it's not, it's not the paper they wrote. It's not what, no, it's copies of copies of copies. You're right. But we have so many copies. And because we have such a large number of copies, five to 6,000 in the New Testament with the cross-referencing, it's, it's easy for those who understand how to do that to figure out what did the original text really say. And they've been able to do that and, and be able to, and within just a handful of discrepancies. And, and nowhere is there ever a discrepancy that is rooted in any doctrine. None. So we have that. So let's just run through just real quick. Birth, life, death, resurrection, ascension. The possibility, listen to this, the possibility of only eight predictions being fulfilled is one in ten to the 17th power. Ten to 17 zeros. You ready for this? The possibility of only eight predictions. There's 300. This was Dr. Kennedy's favorite line. I got all this from Dr. Kennedy. His favorite number is 333. There's 333 prophecies related. Now, some of them haven't come true yet, right? Right? Because it's the return of Jesus. But right here, just in the birth, life, death, resurrection, ascension, all that's done. That's finished. Those are locked in. But the ascension, the return, the second coming we've been talking about, that's still everywhere in the Bible, and that hadn't come true yet. We're waiting on that. Cover, so here's the example. Cover Texas two feet, think of this. Cover, so when I've shared this with people, they're, oh man. Cover Texas two feet, the whole state, two feet deep with silver dollars. One marked with an X. Blindfold a person and send them across the state and pick up the silver dollar mark with the X. One in 10 to the 17th power. 10 with 17 zeros. It's silly. You go, man, I never thought about it. That's, that's eight prophecies. It's all you need. We've got 333. It's just... It's crazy. And most people don't know that. Because if people are questioning the Bible, one of the easiest things to say to someone who's questioning the Bible, you ever read it? That ends that, see that you answer a question with a question, that ends that. Because now they know in in that instant they've lost all credibility. You're going to tell me about the Bible. Have you ever read it? Have you ever, have you read the whole Bible? When you do that, come back and talk to me. But but you're, 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 you're trying to debate something you don't even have any personal knowledge of. Something you heard from something you heard. Something you read from something you read. No, that's not, that's not legit. We don't, we, don't, we don't argue that way. We don't walk through that way. We don't debate that way. If you read it, you got to read it. Then we can talk. So it just changes the whole format. Birth of Jesus. I think we just have a couple here. The Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. And you'll call him Emmanuel. Isaiah seven fourteen. You see the fulfillment. One more in the birth, but you, Bethlehem, Ephratah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel. See the fulfillment? Luke 2. Okay? So you have what? 
Lots of ways to look at the Old Testament, but this one's just real simple. Prophecy fulfillment, right? Prophecy fulfillment. Something was said that was going to happen, and we've seen the fulfillment. And remember, all, all of the Old Testament is, is, is fulfilled where? All of it is working its way. God's unfolding plan and progressive plan of revelation in redemption is fulfilled where? In Christ. All of it points to him. So we're just looking at a handful that you can be strengthened in your understanding of knowing that prophecy has been fulfilled. So there's the birth. And then the next one has to be the, lot, the crucifixion. They pierced my hands and my feet. That's coming out of Psalm 22. And the fulfillment is in John, right? They nailed him to the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Psalm 22, 1. Fulfillment, Matthew 27, 46. So we have the crucifixion fulfilled. And then, let's see what else we have here. We have the resurrection. Because you will not abandon me to the realm of death, nor will you let your faithful one see decay. Psalm 16. Some, some say, and, and, and the Jewish person will say, well, okay, that's talking about David. Well, that can't be talking about David. Why? His, his body saw decay. Body decayed in the grave. That's talking about what? The fulfillment of David, the better David, the greater David, the fulfillment of the king. Remember, prophet, priest, and king in the Old Testament all pointed to the true prophet, the true priest, the true king, which was Jesus. So we have the resurrection. And then here Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must suffer many things, be killed on the third day, raised to life. He's talking about that before it even happens. And then we have the fulfillment in Matthew 28, 6. And finally, our last one, and then we go to our groups. Ready? The ascension. 40 days later, right? He's roaming around for 40 days. He's still teaching. He's still preaching. He's doing his thing. And in 40 days, gone, going back to where he started from. So now we have the prophecy for the ascension. When you ascended on high, you took many captives. You received gifts from people, even from the rebellious, that you, Lord God, might dwell there. Psalm 68, fulfilled in Luke 24, 6. Remember in Acts 1.11, what did we say? The two angels showed up, and they're looking at the men of Galilee, and they asked, why are you standing here looking up into heaven? The one you saw taken this way will return again. Go back and do what you're supposed to do. Go do the job Jesus has called you to do. So we see the ascension. And the last one, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Matthew 16.21, fulfillment in Hebrews 1.3. So as we keep building through this, It's all designed to just do one thing for you. Make you more comfortable. Not even so much confidence. Just make you more comfortable talking to people about Jesus. Because that's what we're supposed to be doing. We're supposed to find ways to be able to bring him into conversations. And get to a place where we can share the saving knowledge of Christ with those that don't have it. And the more that we spend time in learning how to do that and connect where they are, the longer will be our audience that we'll have because evangelism today, for the most part, is no longer a single event. It's just, it's very rare. It takes much more time and much more information. And remember, the one thing about this context that you live in, you have to remember this. Never did the first century church have to deal with what we're dealing with today in this nation. You say, well, there was a plurality of beliefs in different gods. Of course there was, and there is today. But they didn't have to operate in a post-Christian culture. Do you know what that means? The people you're speaking to are on the run 
away from the faith of their fathers. You understand that? That changes everything. There was no post-Christianity in the first century church. They weren't running from anything. Sure, there was a plurality of gods. We have the same thing. But we have people who are totally entrenched in the disbelief of Christianity because of how they grew up in it, what they saw of it, how they experienced it. And it just takes longer to connect at a heart level with them. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for those who could come tonight. We pray for those who couldn't make it. Bless our time now in our conversation, in our small groups, that we can really just begin to get more and more comfortable with sharing the love of God in Christ Jesus with others. Be with us now. In Jesus' name, all God's people said. Amen. Amen. Glory. Let's go. Men to the fellowship hall. Ladies.